everyone. This is your host, Aram Mukumov, and you're listening to yet another episode of the Product Innovation Series. Uh, the guest who I have today on the show is, is, uh, is Carmen. Uh, she's the Chief Evolution Officer at a company called Zuper. Uh, Carmen, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Awesome. Good to be here. Awesome. Uh, first question I have is, like, as a fellow Canadian... I believe you're originally from Alberta, Canada, is that right? Yeah, I'm Canadian and I uh, grew up in British Columbia, then spent a couple years in Alberta, and then I moved here to Seattle, Washington. Okay, and uh, w- w- how's, how's been life in the U.S.? <laughs> good, good. Yeah, I came down with uh, a tech company, and then Seattle has a lot of tech marketing, so it's been great. Um, been a nice, nice time in Seattle. Awesome. I've never actually built to, been to Seattle. I heard it, I heard it rains a lot, like in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, right now true? we're we're in our sunny period, so we're soaking okay. it up as much as possible. But yeah, there's a lot of awesome. rain. Awesome. Um, I'm really curious about your title. I've, it's actually yeah. the first time I've heard of this one, uh, Evolution Officer. Yes. What does that mean? What do you do? Right. Well, a couple of years ago, I was very blessed to be contacted by a pretty cool company called the Unisys.org, and they are the research company that discovered the science of evolution. They've developed a bunch of applications for business. Um, and so I did my master's in the science of evolution, the Unisys theory. Um, and, and that's kind of my, I guess, my niche now is really I'm about innovation and change with the evolutionary approach to marketing. Amazing. And that's what I'm doing for Zuper, helping them grow. <laughs> cool, cool. Let's talk about Zuper. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a couple sentences, what does Zuper do? Yeah, Zuper is a field service management software. So we integrate with all the top CRMs, um, but we do all of the uh, support for the field techs out on the job site. Um, so, for example, like let's say you um, you buy a, an appliance, and you know a couple months later it breaks or something doesn't work, and you phone the appliance company um, to say, "Hey, it's not working." Their customer service person will likely determine whether they need to schedule a field visit, right? And so they'll schedule the field tech right within their CRM. But that software then integrates with the Zuper, so that field tech out at the job site has all the job de- details, customer details, and then. You you know, they do what they got to do, take pictures and such and, and capture, and then they can offer digital payments uh, right there with their tablet or mobile phone and such. So, oh, wow. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, there's always some software powering some experience. I know. There, right? It's the world, um, the future. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so let's talk about Zuper. Um, so if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, last time when we had a chance to connect, uh, your team is still pretty new. Um, yeah. What has been some of the things that you've learned about building a team. Yeah. Well, so, okay, I came in, uh, came to Zuper in January to help them out um, with their Series A funding, and that's uh, why we were able to hire an executive team in the USA, but the rest of the team is in India. So all of the R&D developers um, and then the marketing team. So I've been uh, working with another uh, individual in the USA, and we've partnered together to build out this team in uh, India. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's the way the world's going. And so there's a lot, a lot of tools that we use, obviously we use Slack and, and many other collaboration tools. Um, and then, you know, I think the, the key with the remote team is making sure everybody has the, the, the same vision. They're all clear in the, the mission, the vision of the company and the metrics and reporting around managing, you know, outcomes. So those are probably the two most important elements. Okay. And so... 
if I'm not mistaken, you're responsible for the product marketing initiative, right? At Super. Right. So, so uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I just wanted to ask, cause like, I think we've had maybe one other product marketer on the show before, but it's still, in my opinion, you know, an evolving type of, uh, responsibility, you know, and department in many companies that we work with. And so I wanted to get your take on it in terms of how you work with product team members and product departments. Right, exactly. So, um, so how we define it for Zooper is, uh, you know, the brand, the culture, the product positioning, the messaging, um, all of the sort of, um, elements that go into, into that, into positioning and, and conveying the value prop to the the buyer, right? So that's kind of how we, we intersect with product and then the demand gen, uh, growth marketing type team, team members as well. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to like value propositions and, you know, creating use cases or, um, identifying pain points of like your current users, how much, how much inside or, um, you know, directive does product marketing influence on that? So in our case, and we're very early startup stage too, so we're still kind of evolving. Um, uh, one of the blessings uh, of having all the R&D in India is that we are able to build um, many more features and functionality, probably a little more efficiently. Um, so product marketing is not as much at the moment playing at the front end. I mean, we we sit in and understand the customer insights and uh, the gathering, but we don't actually present that to the product team. The product team is very, very closely connected with the customer as well. And we're a very customer obsessed company. So they, you know, we, at this point, we, we have the luxury, we kind of like they ask for it, we build it. Okay. Um, so, but once we have the product roadmap, then the, the marketing team is really about the positioning, messaging, and how do we get the word out and how do we um, convert um, mm-hmm. and, and continue to, you know, renew customers and yeah. Awesome. And I'm just curious, like when it comes to um, <clears throat> defining or really getting into the whole, you know, mindset of your user personas. Yeah. Um, cause like, uh, requirements or maybe desires, needs of users change, right? Inherently yeah. over time, you know, yeah. it could be, it could be, uh, sometimes it could be quarterly. Sometimes it could just be like a, a yearly thing, you know, the markets evolve, like I'm yeah. sure with many companies, like with uh, pre pandemic during pandemic things changed. Right. Um, so how would you say, you know, should, product marketing really be involved in terms of defining the users, their needs, uh, and defining those personas. Yeah. So I have obviously been uh, lucky to have worked for other larger, a little bit more further along um, uh, tech companies in the US um, and have had a little bit more structure there. And I've done the pragmatic marketing philosophy. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's a certification here in uh, actually, I think in Washington state, but a lot of the Washington state tech companies do this. And I believe that's the right philosophy as far as, you know, is the need pervasive? Are they willing to pay for it? And is it fit consistently within the vision mission of, you know, your, your brand, your positioning. Those are the criteria that we've used. And it's usually been a collaboration, uh, you know, so I would imagine as we evolve at Zooper, we'll kind of head in that direction as well, where there is a little bit more of that, um, you know, sales, uh, marketing, uh, product and such kind of all, uh, doing, you know, evolving around this process of a, a roadmap. 
to determine the which are the priority products and features to build out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just very interesting for me because like every organization I work with, product marketing seems to be different in each company. Yeah. <laughs> so I always like ask these <laughs> questions because I'm like, oh, you do it this way, and my company does it that way. So yeah. as I was saying, like I think it's still like something that's being finessed. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to something you said earlier with your team being distributed and you know the reality is that we all live in a very kind of globalization aspect of like talent um yeah. what do you do or how do you manage your remote team mm-hmm. you know um i just got back from india so it was the first time i got to meet <laughs> them all and that was awesome and so probably twice a year I'll, I'll go spend some quality time in person but we're using you know the tools that exist the like i said the slack is you know i'm on there constantly and um you know we do the quick huddles and and then we have our formal zoom calls so um we're actually just now doing a little bit more around the culture as far as building out an internet and other sort of tools to really start connecting us. Um, but you know, I think again, it comes back to the data and results. I'm a huge, huge know your business by the numbers. And, um, you know, there's lots of books that talk about, you know, that that's one of the key things to managing a team anyway, whether they're in person or remote. Uh, so we're getting, of course, that further built out um, so that everybody has that connection to the results that they're producing. So I, I mean, if you won't mind sharing, and I don't know, I don't want to obviously impose, but I'd really love to know just from your in this maybe experience or maybe other ones, what were some of like the KPIs or metrics that you look at as a, as a product marketing leader, you know, that you expect that the team delivers on. Yeah. It could be monthly, quarterly, just like some high level ones. Yeah. Well, so for product marketing versus the uh, demand gen part of marketing, where it's obviously a lot easier to measure um, click throughs and conversions that we're really focused on producing customer stories, getting customer reviews um, and building out GTMs, uh, you know, getting those delivered on time. Um, And then, you know, we sort of pick up at the website at the website so making sure we're increasing the time spent on our website and the views of the content that we're building out the conversion of the website through to um you know helping the sales so that sales enablement of speeding up the conversion to a sale um and then eventually it'll be more around renewals we're still early that we don't have a big big you know so but next year and the year after i think uh, loyalty and net promoter score are going to be key as well okay um, next question I have, I think briefly touched upon it, but I wanted to go deeper into it is like, as you know, I'm sure working in other companies, engineers, developers love building things, right? Yeah. Um, so sales folks sell, sometimes they sell something that doesn't exist. <laughs> so how do we know that all these product features that sales is selling or engineers are building are actually even needed? And what has yeah. worked for you when it comes to product marketing in the past to figure that out? So let me just also, interesting, I, prior to uh, COVID, I had worked for Zenodi, another India-based company here in Seattle, um, super successful in literally going out and they decided they were just going to own the market by owning the top big customers, the large franchisees in the salon spa space. And they mm. literally just went to a customer uh, said yes to what they wanted and built it. So that's an interesting, that was a really good learning for me because I had just come from Dreambox in the ed tech space where like I explained the pragmatic marketing where we were very sophisticated and there was a lot of um, you know, decisions and collaborations and formulas that we used to kind of decide what we picked. Um, 
like I said, with Zooper, it is where we have the luxury right now to build pretty much what people ask. But um, I think it is a mix of, you know, uh, weighing out against that criteria I mentioned. So is it pervasive enough? Are they willing to pay for it? And does it fit within your vision and mission? Hmm. Uh, Follow up question. <laughs> I think that's great. But I, I'm, I, um, I've, sp- I've been speaking to a lot of people recently and um, there's always that kind of debate where some people have a mindset that you know take what your customers tell you that they that they want you to do with a grain of salt like you know understand like really understand what the need is really understand what it is that they you know really need for you to for them to use your product but how how they will use it or what the actual experience in terms of like delivering something that's your responsibility to then give to them what are your thoughts on that so, you know, I'm going to now put my science of evolution hat on, which is something I'm constantly, um, now that I have this uh, new insights, uh, think about. So let me see if I can quickly explain this. Um, every living entity is an adaptive environment. So you you are, I am, uh, a company is a collection of individual living entities. Um, and so the same rules apply to every living entity. So to build a relationship with another living entity, the same science, the same rules. So if you think about a company with a customer, then those there's, and here's how it is. It's, you have a shared vision. You have a maximal strategy for growth. In other words, you both believe you can grow or be better together. And so what is that maximal strategy for growth? What's the value add? And then you have a a minimal strategy for survival. So that conservation uh, strategy, and that is around shared values and trust. So for every, so when you think about building out products and you put that hat on, that also can help you explain, does this strategy help both of us grow? Right? Is it is the value add there? So I don't know if that helped, but that's another does, kind of yeah. way to put it on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very interesting. There's like always an anthropological, I don't know if I said that correctly, uh uh angle, I think, when it comes to building product and like, you know, getting into the psychological aspects of like user needs and stuff like that. So it's think it's a it's a rabbit hole, but it's very interesting how uh you position it. So thank yeah. you. Um next question I have is you know, I wanted to ask you about the uh, something you recently shared with me about where you were, I think, planning on launching a new website. Um, and uh, I think you went through the process and then ultimately just didn't happen. So what happened, you know, and how would you approach it differently? <laughs> I think we just met just when that decision came down. So I was probably like, oh, but um, <laughs> super, you know, because obviously since then I've had time to kind of reflect on, all right, what would I do differently? How, you know, what, what's, what do we learn for next time? Um, so yeah, the executive team. Uh, so again, just thinking back about super and where we're at um, prior to the new year, when, when uh, a few of us got hired in the USA, it was a CEO working with a small team in India that were doing a lot of SEO. So that's kind of the, the background. And so I think the anxiety around losing that SEO traction uh, during, you know, this is our peak season right now. So we have decided to push the launch back to uh, the holiday, USA holiday. Um, 
just to because there's typically a two to five week window where the SEO can kind of drop until it kind of gets caught back up. Uh, exactly. So that's the decision. Um, I think the learning for me, uh, and again, the science of evolution, uh, it's really about being adaptive. And so what you want to do is you want to test, uh, measure, evaluate, reflect, and then adapt. And so if you think about that for the website, um, next time, what I probably would do is just start small, switch the platform, get us onto Webflow, which will allow that flexibility in the testing, and then redo the brand with existing content, uh, and then start picking the pieces of content and redoing it versus making it a big new launch of a website. Um, I think because by now we, we would have our new website if we had done it that way, which is a little bit more of an adaptive way. Um, but in any case, we've got this lovely website ready to go live. Um, and when it go live, it goes live, you'll love it. But um, and it's, you know, it's optimized for search engine, it's optimized for more content consumption and conversion. So it'll be great. But um, but yeah, that's what happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. No, it's a very fair point. There's always that scare of like thinking of a whole overhaul, like there's so much work. If you do it in phases and bite size and you test along the way, right. it's definitely sometimes a bit harder to swallow in certain ways because like you might not see the results right away or might not be this big shebang of a reveal. Right. Um, the one I always love is like we when we work with clients on marketing website projects is like, they announce say a big series B C round, right? And then it's like, we gotta launch the new website with this new announcement. And we're like, why? You know, <laughs> why why put all this added added extra pressure yeah. on a superficial superficial kind of like date, right? Yeah. Um, and I think again, it's that evolution, that mindset shift of like the old way was to kind of you know, but the new way, and and it's with product development too, so not just marketing, right? Where mm -hmm. it's that iterative, um, agile approach. So exactly. yeah, cool. Uh, a couple more questions before yeah. we get into the fireside. So I wanted to ask you what what do you feel product marketing leaders uh, do often these days that won't get them perceptions and opinions that they desire. You know, so um, right now, because of what the situation I'm in where I'm, you know, with a startup and it's very typical, it's that eager push to just quantity, right? Push out, push out, push out. And, and I think, you know, how can we kind of shift the whole company to quality uh, or, you know, like less is more. And, um, you know, so I think the, the tricky, again, is the measuring. So getting all of that structure in place um, with fidelity so that, you know, this video or that podcast or, you know, what's really driving impact. Um, so I think, you know, some of the things we're doing right now, um, probably aren't quite getting, you know, what we want, but what, what would you say are some of those, those steps or those insights that get missed or skipped along the way? Um, well, I think that, uh, you know, there's always, I feel like there's still always that, um, conversation around attribution versus first touch or last touch on tracking pretty much everything, your campaigns to your content. And so I think that that will continue to evolve. And, but right now there's still always a little bit of missing insights. Um, at least I've found. So if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Cool. Uh, last question before fireside, what yeah. product marketing principles or lessons do you keep coming back to at this mm -hmm. stage of your career? 
So, you know, again, because I was blessed to have that opportunity around the science of evolution, that is what I'm constantly reminding myself to put on and think about. And um, it really is uh, that that ability to put yourself in the customer's shoes and think about from their angle. Um, that's the number one thing I think for actually, it doesn't matter what role you have in a company. I think that, uh, ability to empathize and to, um, you know, put yourself in someone's shoes, your customer shoes, your prospects, and then to self-reflect and adjust and adapt. So. Okay. That's true. I think, even with my own marketing team, it's all about adaptability and being flexible, right? Experimenting, yeah. I think, is also key. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So fireside format, question, answer. Try to keep the answer short. <laughs> it's always tricky, but one, one to two sentences <laughs> okay. if you can. All right, so the first question I have is, how do you ask better questions when it comes to product marketing? Putting the customer hat on, right? So customer obsession, putting yourself in their shoes. Okay, great. Uh, what have you become better at saying no to over the years as a leader? Um, hiring, like no, <laughs> like trying to, to know as quickly as possible, does that person have the capacity for empathy and growth mindset? Oh, interesting. Okay, that's the first time I actually had somebody brought that up. Okay, cool. Um, if you could only work two hours every week, what would you want to do with that critical time? Okay, so two ways of answering that. As a CMO, um, you know, insights, so getting in front of customers and looking at the data and then spending time with the, you know, coaching and mentoring your staff. If it was like, okay, you have only two, you know, throw away your career. Um, I've, <laughs> I've pursued thought leadership around the science of evolution. I'm super passionate about it and I'm working on a book. And so, yeah. Wow, you're working on the book. Okay. That's very interesting. I'll, I'll ask more questions after. Uh, cool. What is the one or two most worthwhile personal investments you've made yeah um you know what's i want i midway through my career i just spent a couple years as a marketing director in the e-commerce world and i was managing teams of people who like knew more than i did about like the search engine so i actually quit and i went and worked for a search agency for for about a year i made no oh. money um but i i just knew that everything the future was digital this was like probably about 16, 17 years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, I just needed to understand how the search engines work because it really was central to everything. And so it was obviously it's paid dividends, like not, not really getting much money for here was worth it, um, for that learning. So I thought that was kind of my thinking on okay, a good investment. So, uh, so you kind of learned and understood the, how SEO works and, and, uh, you know, that I side got of, trained uh, by one of the up early agencies here in Seattle. Um, oh, and wow. okay. that knowledge around how search engines work, you know, is, was just invaluable. And it was, it was worth like, you know what I'm saying? Because at that point, you know, I was a director, so, um, you, I could have chosen money, but I actually thought, no, I'm going to just work for free even, you know, to get that knowledge. Cause I, I remember someone telling me that once, like in, in your thinking about your next career move, pick learning, pick knowledge, pick that part and it, the pay will come. No, that's, that's so true. Yeah. Um, good for you for doing that. That's <laughs> I think an invaluable investment you made. Uh, okay. Next question is what is one or two books that has greatly influenced your life? 
you know, again, because of this uh, science of evolution, the future research uh, with Eunice's theory uh, has been, you know, really life changing for me. Um, but I also think kind of feel like with books, it is an evolutionary approach. Like I even read books twice, but not like not in a row, like read it once. And five years later, after you've read a bunch of other books, read it again. And it'll like, cause everything's like this ad, it adds on to what you've learned, if that makes sense. So, um, so I'm just always trying to, you know, pick up, um, you know, I'll constantly be reading a book. I'm, a lot of people talk about doing that. So okay. it's kind of common sense. Yeah. Last question. What product marketers listening to this should start doing tomorrow that they are not doing? Uh, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but again, so if you don't have the capacity for empathy, probably can't help you. Uh, you have to fake it. <laughs> uh, but, um, but you know, if you do have that capacity, then that's what you, just constantly be working on that growth mindset, right? So that ability to put yourself in other pe people's shoes to self-reflect, uh, to, you know, evaluate and adapt. So get rid of fear. Like that is the number one obstacle to growth, uh, is your fear of change. So, um, so I talk about this with my team members all the time. So amazing. Okay. Carmen, uh, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your wealth of experience and always thank you to our listeners for tuning in and supporting the show. Uh, great having you and, uh, yeah, thanks for your time. Good to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs>